following that process helps with it. And it also helps all the other employees know that it's just not an arbitrary decision. You know, even though you're not communicating every detail, but if employees know that there's a process in place and it's not that the boss is going to wake up tomorrow and just decide to terminate somebody, it's where employees will be treated fairly and will have an opportunity to understand what they're not doing well and where they need to improve. It's in 30 minute hour. Where you grow into your power. Welcome to the 30 minute hour. It's the personal development podcast for the seven figure entrepreneur who's looking to level up and become unstoppable. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner who's conducted over 28,000 coaching sessions. Now, my co host, Ted Fells, will not be joining us on this episode. He is attending a conference. So we definitely wish him well. Uh, today, we're going to talk about three HR nightmares that can ruin your dream business. Three HR nightmares that can ruin your dream business. I was talking to our guest uh, backstage, and I know in my back when I used to work years ago, when I worked in corporate America, and I, we would always say that all it really takes is one employee or one situation, and, and it could just turn into a nightmare from an HR standpoint if it's not handled correctly. I mean, we've seen. Um, career plans just ruined and businesses really getting into a lot of hot water and, and just dealing with HR nightmares that were completely avoidable. Um, so hopefully this, this episode, I know we've got entrepreneurs that are watching and you're starting to get multiple people working for you. You definitely want to lean in and pay close attention uh, to these three HR nightmares, how to avoid them and how to make sure you're putting the right HR disciplines in place. And even like, when do you get to the point when you should really think about having an, a, a serious HR program within your organization? So we'll talk about that, but this is definitely not your everyday podcast. Tom, we do things a little different here on the 30 minute hour. Uh, and you can, in addition to watching us on the various Facebook and uh, LinkedIn and YouTube, you can go back and listen uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those places where you consume uh, podcast content. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And that way, you will never miss an episode. Let's talk about these three HR nightmares that can ruin your dream business. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest for the hour. Uh, he is a 30-year veteran in the human resources industry. And he's got experience spanning manufacturing plants, retail stores, Fortune 500 companies. Uh, and he's got HR experience across the United States as well as Europe, Asia, and Latin America. And he currently works for the preferred CFO as the VP of human resources. Uh, preferred CFO provides HR, finance, accounting, and payroll services for companies. Please join me in welcoming to the 30-minute hour, Tom Applegarth. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you, Eric. Hey, Tom. Welcome to the 30-minute hour. It is definitely uh, an honor to have you on the show. So I want to start from the beginning. Back when you were an undergraduate at BYU, uh, what was the vision that you had for your career back then? Well, when I was an undergraduate, I wasn't really planful about my career. Um, and I loved history. I loved reading about history. I loved learning about history. And so I majored in history. And so after I graduated, I was like, well, what am I going to do now? And uh, didn't really like uh, any of the possibilities that, uh, that I was looking into. So I decided to continue and get my uh, master's in business from, uh, from BYU. So I went into their M MBA program. And the first year of the MBA program, they have you take finance and accounting and operations and marketing and organizational behavior and HR was one of the classes. And uh, Stephen R. Covey had, had been a professor at uh, Brigham Young University, but had written his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, um, uh, really about two years before I uh, went into the business program. So he had, uh, he had quit being a professor and was off promoting his book and you know making millions of dollars, but he was still a big influence on campus and would come back and and give uh, give lectures and so and so a combination of his influence and you know the uh, the HR class class that I had to take during the first year of the MBA program really made me decide that human resources was what I wanted for a career and uh, and so that's how I how I got started. And then Amico came to campus and recruited um, for HR talent, and and uh, and I went to work for them, and and that's how I uh, started in HR, and I've been in HR ever since. Andrew, did you get to actually talk to uh, Stephen Covey much, or not a lot? Um, I, I I did ask one question in one of his lectures, uh, but that was but there was like you know two or three hundred people in the class, so so right. that was about as close as I got. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So knowing what you now know, if you could go back and, and be a mentor to that younger version of yourself, what advice would you give? You know, I think one of the things as I was starting out, you know, I was really anxious about my career and I, uh, I, I moved, you know, so I moved from Provo to, uh, to Chicago to work for Amico. And then I moved to, uh, to Kansas and worked for Payless Shoe Source. Um, then I moved to Dallas and worked for FlowServe and moved up to Cleveland and worked for uh, for Goodyear uh, Tire and Rubber Company. And so I moved around a lot in my career. And uh, and in hindsight, as I'm a mentor, I think that uh, that I may have moved a little too frequently. And as I get older, and now I have grown children, I've kind of deposited them all around the United States. Um, and so get, uh, getting to see them requires uh, plane travel in most circumstances, uh, which is uh, maybe the one, the one thing I should have thought through a little better is, uh, you know, how do I, how do I, uh, how do I kind of keep my kids a little closer? And that may have not, may or may not have happened, but, but it was good for my career for sure. But, uh, but now, now uh, makes me get on a plane to go see my kids uh, um, when I want to go see them, but that's okay, I guess. 
Yeah, I just, I find that because we we were talking backstage. I had, I spent some time where I lived in upstate New York, um, and and I think it it does help to round you out, and, and I think it helps you to embrace uncertainty, right? Because it's one thing sure. if you're in your hometown, you know everything, you know everybody, everybody knows you. But it's another thing when you go relocate somewhere remote. Um, so is it it gets you because I think to be successful in life and business, you, it, it requires embracing uncertainty. Sure. No, I think you're right. Absolutely. No, I, I've definitely learned a lot um, by, uh, by making a lot of those moves and changes for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then, so you're currently the vice president of human resources for preferred CFO. So who's preferred's ideal customer and how specifically do they help them? Yeah, so most of our customers are relatively small companies and companies that can't afford expert talent in finance, accounting, or HR. And so, um, you know, it's when, when you're a small company, it's hard to really afford a full-time person with the level of expertise that your, that your uh, company can really benefit from. And so we provide those services on a fractional basis where you can get access to a very seasoned CFO or CPA or HR person. Um, and they're, they're there to help your business and part of the team, but they're also working for three or four or five other companies and, and allows small companies to have access to that type of talent um, without the expense of hiring somebody full-time. Yeah, and it's one of the, one of the things um, I think a lot of times when people start businesses, they have what what's called that entrepreneurial seizure, <laughs> where they feel like you know what I can do this. I don't have to work for this guy. I can do this on my own. But from my experience of just coaching various entrepreneurs, one of the huge things that trips them up is the whole accounting piece and, and the financing piece and the finance piece and really understanding cash flow and all of that. So I take it that you, you help businesses like with financial planning, budgeting, forecasting, and all of that too. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And you're exactly right. You know, um, uh, there's very profitable businesses that don't understand their cash flow. And that's the single biggest reason why companies end up going out of business. They may be very profitable, but, if you don't have the cash to pay your bills, that's what causes companies to, to really fail. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's very true. So I, I think, I mean, that, that sounds like a tremendous resource. Um, and then especially if somebody's not in a position where they feel like they can bring on a full-time CFO, they can just basically use uh, that, this company uh, and have that, uh, have that service. So now, so you, you've been, 30 plus years in HR experience. Um, so, so when is a good time for an entrepreneur to consider adding like an official HR program to their work? Like, how do they know when it's time? You know, I, I don't think it, you know, once you have employees, even with your first employee, there are things that can go drastically wrong. And so I think it's good to start to make sure that, that you're putting in the right 
processes, policies, that you're handling things the way that you need to from a legal perspective. So I don't think, I, I think once you hire your first employee, you're going to have to pay them correctly and you're going to have to follow the laws. And so it's good to start having um, somebody help you with that if you're not an expert. And I think you're exactly right, Eric. One of the mistakes I see a lot of owners of businesses make is they try and be the expert in everything. It's hard to be the expert in everything. And so whatever areas that you're not the expert, rather than spending a lot of time and energy trying to become an expert in that area, I think it's always good to leverage others who are experts, and then you can spend more time in the area that you are an expert and grow your business, um, you know, and, and have a lot more time to grow your business. You know, and, and now more than ever, I think it's, it's just critical to have uh, an HR program. Like you say, even if you've got one employee, I think you need to really be thinking about what your HR program is and getting help with that because it's like, it, it, we, we live in a litigious society and, you know, everybody has an attorney and everybody is, and you'd be surprised at how versed employees are with, with HR law and they know who to call and they know, oh, you know what, this and that is going on. Uh, so definitely, I think this is, this is a good time, Tom, for us to transition into the HR nightmares. So let, let's start. There's three main HR nightmares that can ruin a dream business if you don't get on top of it. So let, let's start with HR nightmare number one. I think hiring the wrong people Ooh. is the first nightmare that any business can, can uh, make. It is really, really costly if you hire someone who doesn't work out. And so I'm just a big believer in take your time when you're hiring somebody make sure you're spending a lot of time with them to make sure they're, they're they have the skill sets that you need that you're um, that they fit from a cultural perspective and that and that you're really confident that they're going to work out and and I really believe in doing a lot of background checks as well not only kind of you know criminal background checks which is a good one to do to know you know, not that you not that you should never hire somebody who has a criminal background, but you should know about it and yeah. talk to them about it and make sure that it's going to work in your organization. And then equally important is talking to their past managers. Now, when somebody's actively working, they're not going to want you to talk to people at their, you know, to their current manager most of the time. And that's totally understandable. But the manager that they worked for two or three years ago is, is a key person that you want to talk to and other references because you'll gain a lot of insight by talking to people that they worked with in the past and talking to them about, hey, here's what I'm going to have the person do. You know, how do you think they're going to perform? How did they perform when they worked for you? And you can gain a lot of valuable information. So it's hard to spend too much time selecting the right person, but it's really, really important. And it's often tempting for people to just, you know, not spend as much time because everybody's busy, but hiring the wrong person can end up costing you a lot of money 
and 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 really cause problems. So I think that's the number one thing to do. So so what do you what do you say to the entrepreneur watching this now that says, you know what, reference checks are a waste of time because you know these uh, former bosses don't want to say anything. All they're going to say is, you know, oh, this person just worked here from these dates. And so, so what, what's your response to that? You, you would be surprised. I hear that a lot, but I personally do a lot of reference checking. And for sure, you end up with some people that either won't return your call or won't do anything but verify dates. But there is probably 70, 80% of the people I talk to are giving you a reference. And if, and like anything else, if you spend a little time, establish a little rapport, make sure they understand this is gonna be very confidential. It's never going to get back to the applicant. Um, they'll, they'll start to open up and you can read between the lines as well. You know, I mean, they may not be totally explicit, but you can, you know, in a in a video chat or in a phone conversation, you can tell and get some more information and then you need to follow your gut. I mean, some of the biggest mistakes I ever made was early in my career where you're like, that was kind of a strange reference. Um, and then, you know, we ended up hiring the person anyways, and it was a big mistake. And in hindsight, you're like, I think that person was trying to tell me something. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. it was not a, a, a full-throated, wonderful endorsement. And, you know, it's it's hard because oftentimes you need help, you need help. There's work that's just not getting done. It's spilling on the floor. It's the most tempting thing to do to go ahead and say, oh, they'll probably be okay. And that is usually a mistake. If you're if you're not getting great references and everything's not making sense as you as you um, interview and and really do the background and reference checking on an employee, you probably ought to pass and wait until you have somebody that you're just like, yes, everything's clicking. Let's go ahead and bring that person on board. Yeah, I, I, and people I work with, I, I advise them to have what I call the heck yes or no policy. So if you're, you're interviewing somebody in your gut, it should feel like, oh, heck yes. I'm, I'm going to bring her on and she's going to help move me forward. If it's not a heck yes, I, I think it's, it's better to keep it moving. Absolutely. No question yeah. about it. Yeah, I mean, and then the other thing as far as uh, with the references, like I, I was always looking for eight players. So for me, if three references would only tell me the bare minimum, that's a sign. Because if somebody's great, th think about this, Tom. If somebody is great and they work for you, you want to help them, right? So you'd say, oh, man, you know, Eric was excellent. And the only reason he's not working for me now is he relocated. But I would hire him back in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Nope, that's absolutely right. I agree with that. I mean, I think these are all things that we need to be thinking about. But, Tom, I, I am with you. I think the biggest nightmare is just bringing in the wrong person. Um, and, and I know, I think people get, they, oh, I'm shorthanded and I'm just going to take it. I'm just going to check the box and uh, get this get this off my plate. But no, I think that that's the critical step. So number one uh, of the HR nightmares is hiring the wrong person. So we need to get that right. So so I'm assuming in your HR services, you you provide resources. You do you you do interviews. Like how do you help 
entrepreneurs to get it right. Yeah, absolutely. We will we will do the finding of candidates, interviewing candidates, um, reference checking, and running the the selection process for companies. Um, so that's that's definitely one of the services that we provide. Okay. All right. No, that that's a nice service there for sure. All right. HR nightmare number two. Well, if you've made that mistake and hired the wrong person. The next biggest mistake you can make is terminating somebody the wrong way. You need to be very careful about about terminating somebody. And, And it starts with communicating. So when an employee is not doing well, you need to start coaching them and and helping them understand what they're not doing well and keeping that documentation. The documentation is key because if it gets to a situation where you're like, you know what, it's just time for us to terminate this employee, you need to, that documentation is going to be very helpful in case they decide to go file a charge with the EEOC or find an attorney. That documentation is going to be the thing that saves you because it's certainly legal to terminate people. But if they allege that the reason that you terminated them was an illegal reason because of their race, sex, age, disability, or whatever, it's going to be that documentation of, no, here's all the conversations I had with them, and here's where the performance issues that they were having and why I needed to terminate them. That's going to be your legal defense. And then the other thing I'm just a big believer of is when you terminate somebody, give them, offer them a severance package. It doesn't need to be a lot. Maybe it's just a couple weeks pay, but offer them a severance package if they will sign a waiver not to sue you. It's Mm -hmm. just cheap insurance um, because, you know, a lot of people, most people will sign a waiver for, you know, two or three weeks pay. and, And once they sign that waiver, they have given up their right to go find. I mean, lawyers won't even talk to them um, if they if they go find a lawyer and the lawyer contacts you. All you have to do is send them a copy of that waiver, and it's over. If you don't have that, and the lawyer is hungry or decides to take it on contingency for some reason, I've had cases where we spend, you know, where where we're we're in the right. We have all the documentation. You know, we end up winning, but we end up spending fifty or sixty thousand dollars on our attorney to defend us. And yep. so it's just cheap insurance. <laughs> Two or three weeks pay if somebody will sign a waiver is is cheap insurance in my book. So at a minimum, if if somebody doesn't do, you know, the necessary documentation, that person can collect unemployment. Sure. So so you have the the un- unemployment expense, but yeah, like you're saying, it could also, and I've seen this where it evolves into this massive lawsuit, especially if the person, the person is in a protected class. Now they're saying that it's because of their race, gender, whatever, and not the performance issue. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, you know, it's always a risk. Anytime you terminate somebody, there's a, there's a legal risk, but there's ways to mitigate that legal risk. 
and uh, and documentation and offering them a little bit of severance if they'll sign a waiver not to sue you are are uh, two of the most important ones. And so again, so as far as your service, so somebody, let's say I'm I'm working with you. So how how would you help me with that whole process? I, would I say, hey, nope. I've got Mary and I'm ready to terminate Mary. She's just not cutting it. Like, how how would you help me? Yeah. So so even before we get to that, we're we're training, we're offering training and helping train managers and the owner on you know documentation and performance management. So we try and help get to that situation, help help prevent getting to that situation where I just need to fire Mary and no, I really haven't even given her any feedback or, you know, that's, that's not good to get in that situation, but sometimes you do get in that situation or somebody has been doing fine. And all of a sudden they do something where you're like, they just have to go. Yeah, they were doing fine, but they just made a huge mistake or did something unethical or something where we just need to terminate them. Uh, but throughout that entire process, we're there to help um, put in strategies to mitigate the process. So when it does happen, and and uh, and I and it happens all the time, where a manager or an owner is like, "I just need to terminate Mary right now," and maybe we didn't put in all the documentation. Well, okay, let's look at the risk, and let's weigh the pros and the cons, and and walk through the process of. Yeah. You know, do you really need to terminate Mary now? Um, what's our legal risk? Because there's times when there, I mean, the legal risk can vary. I mean, if somebody stole money from you, yeah, terminating them now, and you can prove that they stole you, stole money from you, you probably don't need any more documentation than that, and we can terminate them, and there's probably very little legal risk. If it's, no, they've had, you know, they just really haven't been doing a good job for the, you know, their entire time they've worked here, but I've never given them any feedback and I'm now terminating them. And they're the only person in that protected class, or they just, you know, made a complaint to OSHA um, about the safety of the, the facility. And now we've decided to terminate them. You know, there's, there's different situations where I'm like, well, you know, you can do whatever you want to do, but this is a huge legal risk. And so rather than terminating them now, we probably ought to put a plan in place where we're building that documentation that we haven't built, probably should have built, but we haven't. And now we need to put that in place. And if they don't improve, you know, maybe a, a month or two from now, we'll terminate them. But, you know, Regardless, there's times when, you know, owners decide and managers decide, I'm going to take that legal risk. Um, and that's where the size of the severance comes into play. So maybe you would have only offered them two or three weeks if we had done everything correctly and we had relatively low risk. But no, we didn't do things correctly, but that person has to go. Well, we probably want to offer them a lot more than two or three weeks to get them to sign a waiver not to sue us because there is a lot of legal risk in this situation. So we help coach people through those uh, types of decisions to make sure that we make the best decision for the company. 
Are you a believer in the whole progressive disciplinary process where it's a verbal warning and then three written warnings and yeah, I mean, I don't think it's it's I don't think you can always um, that there is a, uh, you know, a, a, a pattern where, yes, every single time we're going to give somebody one written warning, three or one verbal warning, three written warnings, and then we're going to terminate them. But in general, that's a that's a very good approach is, yeah, let's first talk to them about it. If they're not uh, not not performing the way that we should that they should. Let's give them a written warning. And written warnings are very powerful because people will go back and reread them many, many times. And and then it's providing the documentation that, you know, you will be very helpful in case you end up terminating them and they end up going and getting an attorney. So so I, I am a big believer in, um, you know, progressive discipline. Uh, it doesn't, you know, there there may be, times when you decide that you're going to do uh, extra written warning or a final warning and other times where maybe you end up terminating them more quickly. And a lot of that will just depend on the situation and the legal risk that's involved. Yeah. And, and, and during my years as a, as a supervisor, I mean, having, you know, at times 500 people working for me, um, I honestly didn't like having to separate or terminate people. But one of the things that helped me was following the progressive disciplinary process because I knew that, hey, I gave this person every chance and they just, it wasn't the right job or they just refused to comply, but I communicated this to them every way possible. They have made a decision. So I, I could sleep better at night. Yep. You know, and, I, and I think some there's some people listening to me now that honestly, they don't like having to have those types of conversations. But I think Following that process helps with that. What do you think? Absolutely. No, I think I think following that process helps with it. And it also helps all the other employees know that it's just not an arbitrary decision. You know, even though you're not communicating um, every detail, but but if employees know that there's a process in place and it's not that the boss is going to wake up tomorrow and just decide to terminate somebody. But there is a process where employees will be treated fairly and will have an opportunity to understand what they're not doing well and where they need to improve. Then that just helps you attract and retain better employees than if it, you know, is arbitrary and the boss just wakes up one morning and says, I can't take it anymore. This person's been doing a horrible job. I should have told them, but I didn't. Um, but I just can't take it anymore and they need to go. Well, that's not, that's not the type of company that most employees want to work in. For sure. For sure. And I kind of remember there's a book out called Radical Candor by Kim Scott. And she talks about, you know, that you really, you, you think avoiding the difficult conversation is a good thing, but it's not, you know, that you're right. really doing the person more harm. And she tells a story about how she was with Google or a company like that. And, she terminated somebody without having those conversations. And the person was like, well, why didn't you just tell me that before? I could have made some improvements. Um, so I think that one of the takeaways from this episode is that we can't shy away from those conversations. We just need to make sure we've got the, we're following the, the documentation process here. So, so this, is, this is great. So those of you just joining us, Tom Applegarth, he's our uh, HR guru. <laughs> 
And it, we're talking about the three HR nightmares that can ruin a dream business. Number one is hiring the wrong person. And by the way, let me tell you, I've made so far, I don't know the third one yet, but I've made these two mistakes plenty of times. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm holier than now. I've made these mistakes and had to learn the hard way. Uh, so number one, he said hiring the wrong person. Uh, number two, he said terminating someone the wrong way. So now let, let's let's get to number three. What's the third HR nightmare? The third one is following all of the laws that uh, that the state, local, and federal government has passed, which is not an easy task. Which is uh, you know one of those reasons why it's good to have an HR expert on your team. And, yes. and one of them, so, so you know, we could talk about this topic all day, but one that I see um, incorrectly and not followed the most is whether or not you pay an employee overtime. Mm. So the Fair Labor Standards Act is, is very specific about who you must pay time and a half for every hour worked over 40 in a week and who you don't have to pay time and a half. And there's a lot of companies that don't, don't, don't know exactly what the rules are and are not paying people overtime that should pay them. And there's several companies that I've worked with over the years that have ended and all it takes is one employee to call the Department of Labor, and they're more than happy to come in and do an audit, and they'll audit every single position in the company. And I've been through this a couple of times, and it's a very oh, painful right. process. And then they, they then render their opinion on which positions you should have been paying overtime to that you um, haven't been. And then they ask the employee, to tell them how many hours have you worked each week for the last two years. And you're just writing the employee a blank check because if you haven't been paying them by the hour, you probably haven't been having them uh, keep track of the time, either on a time clock or in some other process. And so the Department of Labor will just take the employee's word at it unless you can provide proof that's different than what the employee provides. And then you have to pay that back pay for the last two years in whatever amount of time the employee said they worked every week for the last two years. And that can be a very, very costly mistake. Um, and there's many others that, uh, that we could talk about, but there's, you know, there's, there's the laws that have been passed that you just need to make sure you're following. And if you, don't know what they are as the owner of a business, you either ought to spend a lot of time educating yourself on what they are, or you ought to get somebody to help you to make sure that you're following all of these different laws that exist in our great country. Uh, great point. And I'm going to say this, this is going to be controversial, Tom. I think anybody that's operating a business in the state of California needs to just call you right now <laughs> because California is the exception to every rule, and you have to be. That's just there's other states too, sure. uh, but California particularly just comes to mind, just because a lot of the issues over the years 
uh, I've had one way or another with California and not following these rules and and, and all of that. Um, but yeah, definitely that that's that's why it helps to have a, an HR partner, somebody that's aware of the of the, the various rules. Because I agree with you again. You're right. The the overtime uh, laws and uh, it, it varies uh, depending on where you are, and it's good to have somebody that's on top of that because i i have yet to see one of these audits i've heard about a lot of entrepreneurs who've had these audits i'm not aware of one that went well for the for the business owner that's right no when when the department of labor comes um it's rare that they don't find something it's like any yeah. auditor you know they're gonna they're gonna dig until they find something for sure yeah no one no one has said hey twig they had an audit and it went great I passed it with flying colors. I'm just so happy they were here. No, doesn't work that way. Right. No so question. Definitely want to make sure um, you get that squared away. So again, three HR nightmares that can ruin a dream business, hiring the wrong person, terminating someone the wrong way, following all the labor laws. Is there another nightmare, like a bonus nightmare you can think of that you run into a lot with uh, different business owners? Yeah, I think... Um, not paying attention to the cost of turnover. So we, we, we talked a little bit about it, but, but people for each business, it's a little different, but I don't think that most businesses realize the cost of their turnover. I, I, uh, I've worked for, uh, several different companies where they had very high turnover and, and when we got look and, and, you know, the easy um, first thing to always look at is, are your pay and benefits competitive for the type of talent that you're trying to attract? And if it's not, that's the first cause of turnover. Um, if it is, then there's probably other causes that we that we need to go into. But But many different companies that I've worked with have been able to actually save money by increasing what their pay and benefits are because mm. they decrease turnover and that cost of turnover is so high. When you really spend time looking at, all right, I hire somebody and they're not fully productive for three, four, five months or even longer. And the longer that learning curve is, the more expensive turnover is because that's where a lot of the hidden cost is because you're paying that person like they're being fully productive, but every single job, it takes people some period of time before they're as productive as the people that have been there for a year or two or three or whatever. And uh, and not paying attention to that cost of turnover and really working hard to figure out how you decrease your turnover and what you need to do to decrease your turnover is uh, is one of the one of the hidden costs that people a lot of times don't even realize they're spending, but it's very costly to a business. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just the time it takes to find a good person. Um, you just have to start that, that circle all over again. So it takes the, the entrepreneur's productivity goes down and, you know, the customer seen potentially seeing a different face and yeah, so definitely great point. Great point. So I know you get asked a lot of questions by a lot of different people. I, I'm just curious, like, like what, what's one question that you never get asked that you wish 
more people would ask you. You know, there's, uh, I, I have been amazed at companies that have a great 401k program and they match the money that employees put into the program. And on average, you know, most companies have a 401k program and they're matching 3% or more of what the employees contribute. And I am always amazed that in most companies, half or, you know, 40, 50% of the employees aren't taking advantage of that free money. They're mm -hmm. not contributing to their 401k to get the free money that their employer is offering them. And so the question I never get asked um, from people is, but, but, but I wish they would ask is, how much money do I need to retire? Because if you're giving away free money, you're not saving in your 401k. There's very few companies outside of the government these days that have their traditional pension plan. And I think as a society, we're just, you know, going to be in a world of hurt because for the, for the many of the people that have retired and are retiring, they're of the age that they have a traditional pension plan. We're just starting to get into, because, because those pension plans started to disappear in the 80s and 90s. Right. And so we've got this, everybody that started working, you know, uh, uh, in, the, in the late 80s or early to mid 90s, when they start retiring, the average person only has $200,000 in their 401k as savings. Mm. Wow. That is not enough. That is wow. not enough. And so, uh, so I really worry about all of these people that haven't contributed to their 401k and haven't saved for retirement. They're, um, they're going to be living on two or $3,000 of social security, which is probably not the type of lifestyle that most of them have been, been enjoying while they were working. That's a scary thought because you have to figure with inflation and the cost of living and everything is getting just more and more expensive. So, you know, $200,000 years from now isn't going to be much at all. Um, now yeah. that I think that's, uh, that's a question. Uh, that's a question I wish more people would ask you. That's for sure. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So uh, we're coming down the home stretch. We're at the final segment. It's called Write This Down. And this is where we'll, we'll both go around and give at least one idea from today's episode that the people need to write down so they can level up. So, Tom, you're the, you're the guest of honor. What do, they need, what do people need to write down from this episode? So I think all of the business owners and managers that listen to your podcast need to write down, I am not going to try and be the expert in everything. I think they really need to take, take an evaluation of themselves. What am I the expert in? And the areas in my business where I'm not the expert, how do I plug that gap? How do I make sure that I have a level talent in every area of my company because nobody wants to have B and C level talent, but most people are going to have strengths and they're going to have weaknesses and you need to figure out how do I make sure that where I'm not the expert and where I'm weak, 
how do I bring in resources to to make sure that I'm an A player in my business across all of the areas? And you can absolutely go broke saving money. Ooh. <laughs> Can you say that again? <laughs> say that again you, to the people in the back. You can go broke saving money. You need to invest in your business in the right areas and spend money so that your business can grow and be successful. And when sometimes when you are trying to save money in the wrong areas, it ends up costing you way more money than you ever saved. We call that stepping over a dollar to pick up a dime. Right. <laughs> you can go broke saving money. Whew. Absolutely. You don't have to be an expert in everything. Write that down. Uh, so, so my contribution to this uh, write this down segment is just something I just believe is along the lines of what you're saying. I just think that success is a team sport. And, and you look at there's always this talk about who's the goat, right? I mean, you look at sports, who's the greatest of all time? Who's the goat? Well, most people that are in that goat conversation, they had a great team around them. Like we, like we think it's them. We think, oh yeah, it's just Michael Jordan. He was just a great individual or LeBron James or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or Tom Brady. They were just great as individuals, but they were surrounded by a team. They had a great coach. They had other complimentary great players. And it's the same thing in business, that the, the people who you would think of as the GOAT that have done very well. I even We talked about Stephen Covey earlier. I, I would bet you he's got some great people around him. Behind the scenes, you may never, you never saw them, but they were helping him. It wasn't just him, you know, being as prolific as he is. So I think you have to think about it as a team sport. And Mr. or Miss Business Owner, who is the team? Who are you, who are you surrounding yourself with? Is it a, you know, is it a coach? Is it an HR company? Is it a, I think that's how you have to think. Success is a team sport. And I think you, you avoid these HR nightmares if you're surrounding yourself with the right team. Absolutely. No, I agree right with team. you. All right. Uh, this has been a fantastic episode of the 30 Minute Hour Podcast. Tom, thank you for everything you've shared. Uh, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Yep, you can go to uh, preferredcfo.com or if you just Google Tom Applegarth HR, I'm on the first page uh, every time. All right, preferredcfo.com, Tom Applegarth. Again, thank you. And for those of you listening, watching, don't forget to share the show. Don't keep this episode to yourself. Um, also, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the 30 Minute Hour Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those places. That way you never miss a future episode. That's our time for this week. Till next time. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 30 Minute Hour Podcast. We need your help to grow the show. One of the best ways that you can help us is by leaving both a rating and a review. You can go to Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or any of those other podcasting platforms and leave us a rating and a review. We've got a bonus that we're running for this month, a special bonus, that if you take a screenshot of that rating and review and you email it 
to E-R-I-C at E-R-I-C-M-P-W-I-G-G-S dot com. You get entered into a special drawing where you can win a free copy of my book, The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. And then lastly, don't forget to share the show. Try share the show. Share this show with someone in your network who you know will benefit from the message. Again, I thank you for listening. And remember, don't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress. So keep growing, keep growing, keep growing.